What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Boston Red Sox. And what's really funny is the more that I went in on the Boston Red Sox, I kind of hate that they got Lucas Giolito. Not because I think Lucas Giolito is necessarily a bad pitcher. It's that they actually had five guys that I might have been in on all five, but now they have six and it complicates things and that's just annoying. So Lucas Giolito shows up and he has a really good changeup, a slider that is solid and it can be a good um, offering to, to mix in with everything else, but it wasn't really that reliable last year and really the Big question is his four-seamer. He's not throwing it at 95 anymore. It's a struggle to get it past 94. It's more like 92, 93. And this is not a good VAA pitch. It has a lot of good IVB, but because of his VAA, it's not as effective upstairs as you want it to be. And when it was at 94, 95, it was a good enough balance, even without the good VAA, that his changeup and slider also soared and he got enough whiffs and that was it. And, and that's really the thing is I just I just really feel like Giolito doesn't have his old heater. And if he doesn't get the velocity back, then he just won't. It just won't be as good because of that. Um, it's not really a good thing necessarily to be a part of the Red Sox. I don't know how to feel really. And this is kind of like for all of the guys moving forward with Andrew Bailey and Kyle Keitel, Keitel, Kyle Bodie. I can say things. This past week has been really weird, so I apologize for all the bad sentences I've said in podcasts. Andrew Bailey, Kyle Bodie, they've joined the Red Sox, and I think it helps. Like, it should be good. Andrew Bailey's a really smart pitching coach. Kyle Bodie, of course, with driveline and understands pitch shape and generally good approaches and everything like that based on every player. So both of those guys there should really make the best version of Giolito more so than say the Angels and the Guardians and the White Sox that Giolito has gone around to in the past. And honestly, uh, Giolito had to go to his old high school coach to learn his new arm circle that fixed him back in what, 2019 was it? Something like that? 2018? 2019? So with all those things in mind, uh, it's possible Giolito does become his best self. That said, it's also the home park of Fenway, which is not good for pitchers. And I don't really know if the team context is good as far as defense and uh, and offense, really. They lost um, a major bat and the Alexander Bogarts. It's, it's like not really that good of an offense. Um, I don't know. I don't really know if the Red Sox are going to win a ton of games with that offense, which means that Giolito... I'm just going to call it a wash, I guess. And... He's going to get all the innings, at least. Like They're going to look to him to be their workhorse as much as possible. He's got 170 innings constantly. Uh, I'm trying to remember. But I'm sure there's one other Red Sox hitter that they lost. Maybe it was just the offense last year was back and forth, and that's all I'm thinking of. I apologize. Hitters, what are they? Um, at the end of the day, going after Giolito, to me, is essentially saying, look, I expect his velocity to be back up. And I don't know if I can do that. It's really been down for two seasons now. So... If he isn't really at 94, 95 consistently, then they're going to have to figure something else out. And I don't really know if there really is that thing for Giolito to figure out. So he's going to be back and forth, I think, through um, being successful and not throughout the entire year. And it's going to be kind of a hipster situation in some cases. 
I'm all for drafting him like my SP6 or something, taking a chance, see how he looks out of camp and that kind of thing. But in all likelihood, I don't think he gets his velocity back and you're just kind of better off with something else. And I know it's not really fun, but I'm just not quite into it. Um, Brian Bayo is a very interesting one. His sinker changeup combination is fantastic. His changeup mirrors that sinker so well and comes in slower. And it does it does well to both guys, honestly. I'm right-handers obviously deal with the sinker. He's, he's comfortable throwing the changeup to that to get missed bats. And then against lefties, of course, the changeup is really good. The sinker is not as good, of course not, because it is, after all, a sinker to a opposite-handed batter. So he actually did go to four seamers more than sinkers, and that's not good. It's a 44% ICR rate. PLV hated it with a negative 15% quality minus bad pitch, bad pitch rate, which is a fun one to just kind of showcase like how often, you know, is it just a wash of being good and bad? Like, no, it's more detrimental than helpful for him. So what is the solution? I don't quite know um, against lefties still, because honestly, the, the thing I'm most excited about with Brian Bayo is being like a 20% strikeout guy last year. I think it's going to go up considering he has this new slider that he learned. It was a different one at the end of the year, starting around like August 17th. And that new slider should be around again. He's still working with Pedro. I know he got hyped about Bayo last year because he was working with Pedro. And now he's doing the same thing. We're going to say the same hype. But I do like the fact that that's what his development is. Like, it should help him in some regard. Is it going to mean that he's going to hit his peak now? No, probably not. But it's a good thing. And let's acknowledge that. Um, more sliders this year means more whiffs to right-handers, which means more strikeouts. And I think that's going to be higher than 20%. However, because it's the whirly bird, as we'll hear more from Pavetta, it's more of that sweeper. I don't know if that's really that good against lefties. So we still got to figure out the lefty problem. And uh, that's a constant thing for guys. But the benefit of Bayo is that he's going to be able to go six innings a ton. I think he uh, has that opportunity to go, what, like a 370 array with like a 118 whip and like, I don't know, strike out an inning. Like I can see that happening for Bayo, which is surprising volume and, and a solid line uh, for for a guy that is outside of you know the top 40 or so. Um, I should also mention that his final two starts of the year in uh, 2023, ballooned his ERA from a 3.71 to a 4.24. Um, if you think that my 3.7 ERA mark was weird, um, he has 13 runs in two games, and that really messed them up there. So that was about 150 innings of one of 3.71 ERA in 26 starts. So Bayo's a really interesting one. I am again worried about lefties. It's just add that slider, and he gets better than last year, and that's pretty cool. So. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to have Bayo in a decent amount of leagues uh, because I just think that people see him more as a Toby than he actually is because of the 20% strikeout rate. I think the strikeout rate is going to go up. Um, man, I've got some fun things to tell you about the next four guys. Uh, and we're going to talk about Pavetta and Crawford and Hauk and Whitlock after this break. Nick Pavetta. All right, so I'm in on Nick Pavetta. And it's weird because it's been five years since I've been in on Nick Pavetta. Uh, I... I labeled Pavetta as a guy to pick up in the middle of the summer as he was doing better with his slider and locating it well. It was a weird run for him. And I was like, all right, you know what? This is going great. Let's just go with this and talk about it later. And I didn't really think that we would see consistency from him. However, it's a new slider called the Whirly Bird. And he leaned on it about 20% of the time against the Yankees on August 20th. Right around the same time, by the way, as Bayo. I think all of them started to really lean in on the slider. 
and it's legit. Um, this is a massively different slider uh, that was helped him return 40 innings of a 3290 array, 0.93 whip, 35% strikeout rate, um, and 5% walk rate. Like that is absolutely amazing. That is a stud, and obviously it's a small sample size, but it's a new slider that he never really had. And honestly, Nick Pavetta has amazing. IVB on his four-seamer. It's like 19 inches, something ridiculous to it. Um, actually, him and Tristan McKenzie are the top two in IVB over the last two years on four-seamers, if you can believe it. However, he hasn't really had anything else to support him, right? He's never had the curveball that's consistent, the cutter and the slider and whatever else was just never really a good pitch underneath. But this new slider, this new sweeper is great. And the, it allows him to go to a cutter at 89.90 that can be really good as well. He found that groove in that second half. I believe it. I believe that this is a new pitch that's going to stick around. The curveball can just be more of the the low swing strike pitch. And I can all of a sudden see that four-seamer, which was dominant since the Whirly Bird was in play. 16% swing strike rate. Oh, man. Finally, instead of the 11% that it was having before. That's huge. That's so good. I, I, I believe it. I mean, I also think that Pavetta's big downfall over the years has been consistent command. So it's a little harder to just say, okay, great, this is my SP4 now, this is done. No, there might be some uh, uh, growing pains with this, but I feel like Pavetta deserved a lot of the success he had with his new approach. And command, when I watched, it was pretty dang good across the board. So Pavetta's fun. I'm I'm surprised that I'm really in on it, but I am because that's a great pitch against right-handers. The cutter is good against the left-handers. The four-seamer is good against both. Curveball is good against both. Like this works. Um, Carter Crawford's also someone I'm very in on. Uh, he better be the SP four for the Red Sox, like definitively above Hauk and Whitlock, because he only has one thing to fix. And I'm not even kidding. It's as simple as his four-seamer finding the zone too often right now. He throws about um, 60% high locations, but too many of those are in the zone. He has like a 40, 54% zone rate. So instead of making it top third of the zone, just make it above the zone and Cutter Crawford wins. That's it. He has a high IVB four-seamer with good, not elite, but good enough VAA and fine extension and like 93, 94 mile per hour heat. Like it's a super high IVB four-seamer. And he doesn't have a negative attribute among everything else. And it had a 16% swing strike rate against lefties. But then 11% against righties. And it's like, oh, because you throw too much in the zone. That's it. That's it. And what's also cool is his other stuff is much better. He actually is leaning into that slider at the beginning of the year. Cutter Crawford. I was weirded out by Cutter Crawford because he wasn't throwing a slider enough. And he was throwing this cutter that I didn't really like. Uh, which is, I, I know, ironic at the time. But then it got better. Then he was able to actually locate it glove side consistently into lefties, which is good. And that slider started getting used more. And that was the high PLV pitch. And guess what? It has the holy trinity. And I got to find a term for this. Because really, if there's three attributes that make a true like money pitch, I'm going to call it like a new wave of money pitch. What is it? That's the real Bitcoin pitch now, right? It's not like the actual super high level one. It's the modern money pitch. And this is a sub 30% ICR, 65% plus strike rate, and a 20% plus swing strike rate. In other words, it doesn't allow hard contact, it earns strikes, and it earns whiffs. So it's all reliable here. And 
man, is it good. I mean, that it, that's what it did. It also had like a 24% swing strike, which is insane against right-handers. So I, I wonder if it's because it's only being used 23% of the time. It's being saved still. But man, that's got to go higher, right? That's got to be like 35%. It's clearly so good. Carter Crawford, you're so money. You don't even know it. Um, I hope that you can go long in games is, uh, is one of the bigger questions that I have. He hasn't tallied 130 innings yet so far. He did go 90 pitches for about five times last year and not too many games of six plus innings. So I really hope the Red Sox say, okay, this is it, Cutter. We're ready for you. I think his weird, um, his weird delivery, his arm circle doesn't exist. There is no circle. It's just him holding the ball like at his right peck. And then turning it up and going. Like there's no circle. There's no going down at all. What that does do is it makes it a lot easier as far as um, consistency and staying straighter. Instead of having this wide uh, arm circle that where your arm pulls back and pulls your shoulder open. Uh, it keeps it closed uh, much easier. Which makes it easier for him to do east-west command um, than usual. Uh, which is pretty cool. So... I'm a believer. I don't know about the health because the reason we don't really teach kids, I mean, this could be old wives tales, but the reason we don't do that is it puts extra stress on the arm, holding it in that position. And it's looser when it's and more flexible when it's in the arm circle. But uh, I, all I say is like, look, if Cutter Crawford is getting that four seamer upstairs more, he had over 30% O swing. And if you see over 30% O swing on a four seamer, oh boy, get it out of the zone more. <laughs> um, yeah, this should work. Like, legitimately, this should work. So, I'm really excited about him. I think he's super close to a breakout. Uh, he has all the skills. It's just that adjustment, really. Now, Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock are a little different. Tanner Houck's sinker and slider combination is so good against right-handers. It's elite movement in both directions. It's a two-plane slider. Sinker is just really hard to hit. It has a ton of drop. Super high grounders. All of that is there. The problem if you're a sinker slider guy, though, is what do you do against lefties? And Hauk doesn't know. Uh, the splitter was trying, it was his best attempt. He didn't even get it to 20% usage, though, against lefties because it had a 53% strike rate. Like, he can't do that. It didn't even have a 20% swing strike rate. Uh, too low of a put away rate, all that stuff. So, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, unless he learns a cutter or a changeup, it's going to be like uh, Brady Singer a bit. And that's frustrating because how should do really well against right-handers. And as I say, like, if you do really well against right-handers, you have, you should be able to work because that's the majority of batters usually, but, um, it's frustrating. Now I was out on Hauk last year because I didn't really believe the sinker and I do now. And the slider is really good against right-handers. It just, it just really is. It's just not a good enough pitch against lefties. Um, and I really want him to be able to do that back foot thing like Chris Sale, but you have to understand Chris Sale's changeup is what allowed him to go back foot to right-handers effectively. Um, and that made him successful against both guys. Also more velocity at the time. So Hauk doesn't have that for lefties. And it makes me wonder if he'll be efficient enough. Now, when he's cooking with the sinker and slider, Hauk is super efficient because those sinkers are outs faster than your standard four-seamer, right? Because it's just uh, earlier balls in play. Um... So I'm kind of in, but I'm kind of out. Like, I, I wonder if you'll develop a proper third pitch to actually get out lefties. But does he need to? Because he does well against the righties. Ah. Uh, so maybe, maybe not. 
And I think, honestly, he's going to get this shot ahead of Whitlock because he's good enough against righties. And it's going to be a little frustrating. I think it's going to make him more of a cherry bomb because those days when he goes against the lefties might be a little bit more difficult. Maybe you can actually just pick that out. If it's a right-handed heavy lineup or they don't really have any strong left-handers, then you can just soar with Hauk. Uh, speaking of that spot, you have Garrett Whitlock. And it's frustrating because, I mean, now that Chris Sale is gone, it felt it felt like, oh man, like we've got this in Lucas Giolito, of course. So... Garrett Woodlock is the SB6, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's really annoying because I feel like Garrett Woodlock just needs to get into rhythm. I felt it last year. He dealt with injuries. He was just kind of turning the corner. Then he had two really bad starts and was injured. And then he missed time. And then like he missed time in the beginning. He missed time a second time. And the second time they just moved him to the pen as like a one-inning, two-inning guy. And I hate that. Because Garrett Woodlock, to me, is a Cleveland Guardians pitcher of old. He has a changeup and slider that earns 20% swing strike rates to both sides of the plate. Like, these are elite pitches, and he makes some mistakes with them, and they get burned. And then his sinker, back in the day, back in the day, this was actually like a super high swing strike rate pitch to the left-handers because he goes up and in with them, I think in 2022. And then also had a like 33% ICR against righties in 2022. So I was like, oh man, the sinker's actually really good. Then what's the problem? Well, the problem is that the sinker needed a larger sample. <laughs> I mean, it's always been against six, uh, sorry, uh, across like 70 innings uh, the last three years each. And the sinker was destroyed by righties last year. Um, he also tries to do backdoor as opposed to uh, inside to right-handers, which I don't want. You guys know me. Um, it's a little bit annoying. And I feel that if Whitlock focused inside to right hands with the sinker, it is not the elite movement of Houks, but he has good enough command that I feel like you can nail that inside and do what you want to do with it because you have such a good slider and, and change up and those pitches should be more utilized. Like right now, Whitlock is throwing like 50% plus sinkers. I feel like it should be 40. I feel like this should be a proper three-way split really. Um, between all of these because I think the slider and the changeup can both work against lefties and righties alike. So that's what I would be doing to to adjust Whitlock. But really, I think he just needs to get into rhythm. He can be a command guy. He just had injuries and really wasn't in the same spot and same role for a bit. And I was hoping he had the fifth spot locked up so that he could just soar and everything's okay. But with Hauk likely getting an opportunity considering that sinker-slider combo combination Probably adding something that makes the his time easier against lefties. I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox said, yeah, well, like, I'm really sorry, you'll get the next chance. Uh, and that's just going to be a little bit annoying because then when he does get that chance, is it going to be in rhythm yet? Probably not, right? You're going to have to wait a little bit longer, and I hate it. Um, on the fringe, you have Cooper Criswell, who the Red Sox said they're going to try and stretch out. And it's he's fascinating. I, I'm going to say all these good things, and you're going to wonder what's the bad um, his sinker comes in with 19 inches of ride, that is horizontal ride, while this slider goes 21 inches in the other direction. That's 40 inches of horizontal gap between sinkers and his sweeper. It's like Chazro of ridiculousness, right? And this is all from the right side. And then he has a cutter that goes right in the middle, so he could freeze guys uh, along the edges with this thing. And then he has a changeup that has legitimate drop to it. Uh, and the sinker also has a solid drop to it, but then the changeup's like 10 inches off of that sinker. And it's just, what 
This is amazing. Oh, and he has elite extension. Oh, right. He doesn't hit 90 miles per hour. <laughs> Sinker sits 88. So that's the problem. That sinker then doesn't jam right-handers. So yeah, you have a 50% ICR, duh, because you're not getting this elite horizontal movement pitch inside. Um, and that slider was just a 14% swing strike rate, which is really strange. Um, really weird. And the changeup did not earn enough strikes, um, despite 30% usage to lefties. It was like a 55% strike rate. So the movement of these pitches is there. It kind of feels like he wasn't utilizing them right. He wasn't finding that kind of groove with his arsenal to feel really good with it. But I don't know. There, uh, with the amount of movement he has on all of these things, despite the velocity, it is super interesting. If he can toy with them and not live in the zone. Like, if he, if you don't throw hard, you really have to nibble out of the zone and live along the edges. And that means not throwing pitches for strikes as much. It's the Ryan Yarbrough approach. You know, Eck was calling it... Uh, salad like this just lettuce or whatever um going out of the zone and he got really frustrated at it but cooper criswell could do that too it's why the rays were interested in him before and the the red sox have him now you might see him as the sp7 um for the red sox um as far as prospects go i don't really see much that they're going to jump at uh in the red sox system there's wickelman gonzalez he has a low arm angle uh, mid-90s heater, he exposed the top of the zone, he had a 35% strikeout rate in AA, 14% overall swing strike rate. The thing is, it came with a super high 15% walk rate. So he doesn't have that secondary pitch he can throw for strikes, all of that stuff. And um, there is a really good curve um, and changeup that he's working on, but he needs to get more time in the minors to figure out how to earn more strikes and not walk everybody. And expect more struggles early in AAA, but maybe Winkleman Gonzalez will see some time later in the second half. Um, they have some other guys. They have like Brian Mata, who's a sinker baller, and actually put up a 30% strikeout rate in 80 frames in AAA. Um, but it was just, uh, and that was in 2022, but he got injured in 2023, just 27 uh, innings, and his command just went out the window. So we'll see how he looks at the beginning of this year. He might get an earlier call. If uh, he's looking good, he might leapfrog like Criswell. Maybe they might. He might even leapfrog Whitlock if Whitlock has a has a role that they don't want to remove him from. And there's also Angel Bastardo, um, mid 90s heater, but it's not overpowering, unfortunately. And uh, he has a really nice changeup um, from the right side, but it's just not enough from the uh, from the fantasy standpoint right now to to go after this kind of guy who doesn't really have the experience above Double A yet. Um, in just three games of it in uh, 2023 and without that overpowering fastball. So you might see him this year, but uh, not in the early going. So we can just kind of forget about him for now. All right. That is it for the Boston Red Sox. Thank you all so much for supporting the podcast and enjoy PitchCon. Um, it's live today, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time, um, right after this podcast goes live. So uh, definitely go check it out. 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 55 hours after doing 40 hours last year, if you can believe it. I cannot wait for this. It is completely free. Go to pitcherlist.com slash pitchcon or go to playback.tv slash pitcherlist where you can go interact with the chat and you can interact with all the panelists only there. You can watch it at PitcherList, but go to playback.tv slash PitcherList, 100% free. Go chat with us there. It is the best way to enjoy PitchCon. But all right, that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.